This morning's scripture reading will come from 1 Timothy chapter 2. If you're following along with the Pewback Bible, that's on page 991. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's great to see you this morning, especially I know we've got a lot of visitors because of the holiday weekend, and we're really, really glad that you've come to worship God with us this morning. I'm wearing a name tag. I I want you to know that there are some men among us whose name tag says elder. Mine does not, but our elders want you to know, whether you're a member or just visiting, if you're struggling with something, if you're going through a difficulty in your life and you'd like somebody to pray with you, they want you to know they're available and they would love the opportunity to visit with you, to to talk and, and to spend time praying before our Heavenly Father with you. So after services, if you find somebody with a name tag like this that says elder and you have some questions, maybe about a spiritual question that you have or, or you have something that you'd like to pray about, please seek one of them out and they would be more than happy to spend time praying with you and to thinking about God's will with you. So please take advantage of that. We're really glad that you've come our way again if you're visiting. We've got a lot of of our members, our our, uh, regular members that are out of town. Um, Our youth group has been decimated because a lot of them, uh, we we love you guys that are here. We got quality, not quantity, right? But but, uh, they're they're gone to uh, Tennessee, to Fried Hardeman University this week for a uh, camp and uh, we're prayerful for them. They arrived safely last night and uh, prayerful that they'll have a great experience there as they learn and grow this week. Last week, I presented a challenge that we're going to be involved in for the rest of this year, Lord willing. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend time thinking about how we can more practically spend time evangelizing our world. That is talking to people about God. And every month as a part of this program, it's called Evangelism in Sync, we are going to present a challenge. This is July 3rd, and therefore the challenge is being laid forth this morning. And as you can see on the screen, the challenge that we would like for everybody to be a part of, no matter who you are, you can do this. We want everybody to spend time this month intentionally and deliberately praying for souls. Praying for souls. If you've got your Bible, open to 1 Timothy 2. If you didn't open with Alex just a moment ago, and I want you to look at verses 1 through 4 with me. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4. We want everyone this month, especially the month of July, we want you to think about people that you know need to hear the good news. And we want you to start praying for them, praying about them. In in 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, therefore, the Bible says, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. There are four terms that refer to prayer in that one verse and everybody is the subject of our prayer for kings and for all who are in authority so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men, verse four, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
That's what we want to do this month. We want to have the same heart that God does. God wants all men to be saved, and so do we. And we exhibit that, we show that by the way that we pray and how we pray and what we pray for specifically. When you think about prayer and you think about salvation and saving souls, I want you just to preliminarily consider these things. Soul winning, brothers and sisters and friends, is a partnership. We are not the lone ranger in trying to bring people to Christ. Paul would say, I planted and Apollos watered, and it was God that gave the increase. We are God's fellow laborers. 1 Timothy 3, verses 6 through 9. Because that's true, we ought to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. We need to talk to God about the people that need him before we talk to people about God. Doesn't that just make sense? Because this is a partnership. We're not doing this all by ourselves. God is the one who gives the increase and therefore we depend on him humbly for his help and assistance in doing this. In prayer, secondly, we reap what we sow. One of the reasons why there are not great harvests among us is because we have not been sowing, especially when it comes to prayer. Galatians 6 verse 7, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Question, have you been praying for souls lately? Have you been asking God to help you to come into an opportunity where you can share the gospel message with somebody else? When was the last time you asked for that? We reap what we sow. Third, faith and prayer, brothers and sisters, are mutually dependent. They depend on one another. Faith and prayer are mutually dependent. You do not see great faith without great prayer. And in like manner, you don't see great prayers without great faith. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, Daniel was a man of faith, but it's important that the Bible emphasizes he was also a man of prayer. And if we really believe that we are in partnership with God, if we really are concerned about souls around us and bringing them to Jesus, then we ought to, by faith, spend time praying about those things. And then as we consider prayer, it refocuses our hearts on what we really need to be considering. In Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10, Jesus said, pray in this manner. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In those two verses, the Bible emphasizes that our prayers ought to be concerned about our God and who he is and about his holiness. And it ought to be concerned, our prayers ought to be concerned about the kingdom of God. We don't pray your kingdom come anymore, it's here, but we can still pray, may your kingdom increase. And as we come to God and we pray that way, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we pray that way, it has a way, brothers and sisters, of refocusing our hearts, of helping us to think about what's really important. Because otherwise, you're going to spend your time wringing your hands and worrying and fretting about whatever the news tells you you should be worried about. But prayer can refocus your heart in a God-honoring way. And we want to pray about souls this month especially because of those reasons and many more. For our lesson this morning, notice first, as we think about the challenge of praying for souls, and incidentally, this evening's lesson at 5 p.m. is going to be as practical as I can be. Practically, how do you go about praying for souls? What, what kinds of things do we need to do? But this morning, I just want us to think about the challenge of praying for souls in and of itself. What does the Bible say about our responsibility and the associations of doing this? 
So in the first place, I want us to think about the necessity of praying for souls, the need for it. And I want you to notice as we look at the screen, in the first place, we just read 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 through 4, and the Bible indicates that God himself commands it. He is concerned for souls. He is concerned about people who are lost and need to come, 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, to a knowledge of the truth. God's concerned about those things. And one of the challenges of living in this world is when I come to know God, I want to see the world the way God sees the world, don't you? I want to look at things the way God looks at them. That's what the Bible really does for us. It opens a window into God's view of the the things around us. He commands us to pray for people, people who are lost. In the second place, why should I pray for souls? Because the Bible says workers are needed. You got your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 10, and I want you to look at verse 2. Luke chapter 10, verse 2, and I want you to listen to the message of Jesus. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Before he sends out the 70, Jesus says in Luke 10, verse 2, the harvest truly is great. He's got vision, Jesus does. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Part of our praying for souls this month, brothers and sisters, ought to be not just for people who need to know God, but also for people who can teach and will be willing laborers in the field. Workers are needed. And Jesus said, pray, pray about that. Talk to God about people who are willing to labor in the fields. Not only that, But when we talk about praying for souls, it's necessity. It is an expression of love. In 3 John 2, John writes to his friend and says, I pray that you may be in prosperity even as your soul prospers. I don't have much question that John really loved the people that he wrote to. But to pray, may you prosper in all good things, even as your soul prospers, that's an amazing statement to make. It's an expression of love. You know, you may have a neighbor or somebody that you've got in your life and they're a good friend and you you just never really talk about spiritual things. We just don't bring those things up. I've never tried. I've never made the attempt. I know this person is lost, but it just seems like a really uncomfortable subject. So I'm not going to bring it up. Let me ask you a question. Can you really genuinely say that you love somebody if you live and for years know a person and you never ever bring up Jesus? Can it really be said that I'm genuinely concerned about this person? In Romans 9 verses 1 through 3, the apostle says that he he wishes he could be a curse from Christ for the sake of his brethren who are lost. He loves them and he's concerned about what's going to happen to them when they when they leave this world and step out into eternity, it is an expression of love to sit down and to pray for people that I know need God and his salvation. When we pray, brothers and sisters and friends, doors of opportunity are opened. Got your Bible again? Look at 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 1. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 1. Doors of opportunity are opened. Watch this. As Paul is concluding his letter to his brethren, He wants them to know that there are some things that he wants them to pray about. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1. And he tells them, 
my pages stuck together in my Bible this morning. I don't know why that happened. Humidity, maybe. All right, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us. And specifically, pray that the word of God may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. Pray, Paul says, for our efforts in evangelism, our efforts in teaching the lost, so that the word of God may run and be glorified. We want you to pray about this. Colossians 4, verses 3 and 4, same idea. Pray for us that doors of opportunity might be opened. When you and I pray, we are partnering with God because God is concerned about the world. He wants everyone to know him through his son, Jesus. And doors are open because we pray. Why should we pray? One reason is because it reminds us of God's grace. First Timothy chapter one, verse 16. Paul was reminded of how Jesus had treated him and how even though he was the chief of sinners, still he found mercy and he found salvation and he found grace. And it reminds us when we pray about what God has done for us to think about the fact that God saved me and he sent Jesus to die for me. And we can be thankful for that. And it reminds us as we pray for others who still need to know him of how good God is and how gracious he is toward his people. It also demonstrates faith. James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. James 5, 16, we want everyone this month, the month of July, we want everyone to spend time praying intentionally for souls. And we do this because we believe that prayer works. We believe that God hears and answers and responds to those kinds of prayers. It's a measure of faith. That's the necessity of prayer. Why should we? What's the, what's the reasoning behind it? Second this morning, I want us to notice this, the associations. The associations of prayer. What is prayer for souls specifically associated with? In Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the apostles, as they are contemplating a problem in the early church, there was a problem where some of the widows were being neglected every day when the daily distribution was being handed out. And the apostles said, we, we can't stop what we're doing and get involved because, they said, our task as apostles is to give ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. And one of the lessons we learn in that verse Acts 6, 4, is that prayer goes hand in hand with the ministry of the word. Teaching people is important. Teaching people is essential, but we are getting only half of the equation if all we do is teach, if we never pray for the people we teach, if we never pray for doors of opportunity to be opened. If that's all that's happening, we're missing the point. This is a partnership with God. And as we think about evangelism and sharing the gospel with those that are lost, we are not in this alone. The ministry of the word goes hand in hand with prayer. Second, Prayer is associated with struggling and striving. Got your Bible? Look at Colossians 4 and verse 12. Colossians chapter 4, and I want you to watch this. Colossians 4 and verse 12. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think I would listen in, in, in worship services to some of the men that would stand up and they would pray. And I would just think, you know, one day, 
one day maybe I'll be spiritual enough where I can just stand up and, and say things and they just kind of sound like they, you know, the men who lead prayers make it sound easy. They, they just do, they do a very, very wonderful job. And I used to think one day it'll be easy. I have since come to the conclusion that prayer is always work. If you're taking notes, write that down, it's important. Prayer is always work. Prayer is intentional. You have to go out of your way to pray. It is not something that happens just automatically and it never gets to a point in your spiritual life where it just kind of flows out of you, you know? It just oozes out of me and I'm not getting, giving any effort or any work in all this. No, prayer is struggling and striving. It is thinking about people and circumstances and opportunities and bringing those things continually before my heavenly father. Watch this, Colossians chapter four, verse 12. Epaphras, he was a preacher, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So this guy Epaphras in Colossians 4.12, his whole work, because he couldn't be with his brethren at that time, was to pray for his brethren. And he spent time agonizing, and the Bible says laboring, and some of your translations say striving. Paul says in Romans 15, 30, strive together with me in prayers. Prayer is work, it is associated with work. It is a work that we do because we believe that God hears and God answers but it's not just gonna ooze out of you. And you're never gonna get to a point in your spiritual growth and your spiritual life where you don't have to sometimes agonize and strive in prayer. It by its very nature is work. Ditches don't dig themselves, prayers don't pray themselves. We need to think about the work of prayer. A deep concern for the lost. A deep concern for the lost is associated with prayer. Romans 10 verse one, brethren, my prayer for them is that they should be saved. My Jewish brethren, they have a zeal for God, but it is not according to knowledge. I am praying constantly for them. I have a deep concern for them, Paul writes. And you and I, maybe if we're not praying for the lost, if you don't have a list, one of the questions we really ought to ask ourselves, am I concerned? Is this anything that really bothers me, that people are lost around me, that people are, are, are headed on a one-way ticket away from God? And, and if they die in the condition they find themselves, they're gonna be eternally lost. Does that bother me? Does that concern me? Our prayer lives ought to reflect if it does. Prayers associated with patience and humility as well, Romans 12, verse 12. Being fervent in spirit and yet patient in our hearts, and humble and waiting on the Lord. I'm telling you again, and we're gonna talk more about this in the next six months, Lord willing. Evangelism sometimes needs to be seen more as a process than an event. A lot of times we get in our minds that it's an event, you know, if you just, if you just get somebody in a Bible study, if you just sit them down once and, and, and tell them what the Bible says, then they'll be saved. Maybe, maybe it's an event like that, but more frequently it's a process and being patient and being humble and being kind and yet still being bold and forthright and telling people the truth. That's accompanied with prayer. More associations. Prayer is associated, brothers and sisters, with alertness. Look in your Bible at Ephesians 6, verse 18. Ephesians 6, verse 18. Listen to what the, the writer says about prayer. Ephesians 6, verse 18. 
You, Christian, are to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful, being alert to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer has to do with not just work and agonizing and being concerned about the lost and bringing people before God and asking for opportunities. Prayer is not just those things, but it is being watchful. You ever have an opportunity with somebody that maybe comes up and asks a spiritual question and you just, you're just caught flat-footed? I wasn't expecting that we were going to have this conversation. I'm not really sure how to respond. You're just caught flat-footed. Prayer has a way of helping us to be watchful and alert to opportunities that may arise. And one of the reasons why we sometimes miss opportunities in evangelism is because we're not praying about these things. We're not talking about these things to God. Prayer is associated with peace within. Everybody, get your Bible and look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. There is a passage that you need to consider when it comes to concern for souls, when it comes to praying about those who are lost. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I want you to read this passage with me in the sense of, I know you have people that you care about, and I know that those people may not be, in respo- may not be responsive to the gospel right now. Listen to what God says. Be anxious in nothing, Philippians 4, 6, but in everything, and that includes evangelism, and that includes concern for the lost, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I know a lot of evangelists that are just all knotted up inside because they care so deeply about the people that they're trying to reach and they're trying to teach. And sometimes we allow our anxiety about the fate and the destiny of someone else to rob us of the peace that God intends for our lives. Don't do that. What is the response? What is the answer that the Bible counsels? The Bible counsels that you be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, pray to God. And God promises the peace that passes understanding. When we're concerned about people and we love people, that's wonderful, that's a good thing. And there is a sense of concern and anxiety that's always there when it's someone we love. But the Bible promises peace within. Cast all your cares upon him. He cares for you. First Peter 5, verse 7. Can we have peace in the midst of the difficult things that our people are doing and choosing to do? The Bible indicates we can. Praying for souls is associated with God's providence. It may have been a while since you read Philemon, so just turn there in your Bible for a moment. Philemon, verse 22. It's right before Hebrews. Philemon, verse 22. It's a one-chapter book. Paul is a prisoner when he writes this, but he believes that he's going to be released and he believes he's going to be able to come to Colossae where Philemon is. And he says in Philemon verse 22, prayer is associated with, watch this, the providence of God. Meanwhile, Philemon verse 22, prepare a guest room for me. But Paul, you're in prison. We don't know how this is going to turn out. Nope. Prepare a guest room for for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. 
Paul believed he was going to be released from prison because Philemon and others were praying for him. There were going to be opportunities for Paul to come and to spend time with his brethren and to share the gospel with those who needed it because people prayed. Prayer is associated with the providence of God. And finally, it's associated with confidence in God's concern. The eyes of the Lord are open. His ears are open to the cries of his people. 1 Peter 3 and verse 12. We are not trying to save the world alone. And if we are, we're doing it wrong. We are partners and fellow laborers with God in this work. And we need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. That's what July is all about. When you have an opportunity, talk. When you have people that say, hey, I've got a a spiritual question, have that conversation. But this month especially, spend your time praying for souls. That's the challenge. Practically, three things I would suggest. Number one, make a list. Make a list. And I mean, maybe you like using your, you know, Apple Notes on your phone or maybe you like paper and pencil, whatever it is. I'm saying there is very good and practical and healthy value in actually writing down the names of people that you know need to be prayed for. I'm just telling you there is. I've got lists. And as I pray, I have people on my lists. I have all kinds of lists. I have lists, I'm just talking about me personally, just sharing something with you. I I have lists of people that are lost, that need to come to Christ. I have lists of people that preach the gospel that I'm concerned about and that I love and I've, I've got them on a list. I've got lists for family. I've got lists for uh, those who are sick. And there's something about seeing those names on paper as you're praying, it makes a difference. It just does. And so what I'm saying to you this morning is for this month, make a list of people that you know in your sphere of influence, in your world, the people that you associate with, rub elbows with, make a list and start praying for those people by name. We're going to talk practically about how to do that tonight, okay? Some very practical things, but make a list. Romans 10 verse 1, Paul prayed for those who were lost. James 5, 19 and 20 suggests as well, and this is something to think about, brothers and sisters, we ought to pray for those who have wandered from the faith. Because when you wander from the faith, you wander from God. And we are to restore them so that their souls may be saved as well. Shouldn't we pray about them as well? And again, in James chapter four, verse eight, the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Some people that I know just need to draw nearer to God. They're living the Christian life, but maybe in some ways in their lives, there's, there's some struggles that they're facing and drawing near to God in times of difficulty is something I need to pray about for them. Make a list. Second, and this is non-negotiable, after you've made your list, start praying. Faith without works is dead. What use is it to be hearers of the word and not doers of the word? James 1 verse 22. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, accomplishes much. James 5, 16. And then third, experience. I'm just talking from experience. Be alert for opportunities. Be alert for opportunities. 
In Acts, Acts chapter 8, verses 29 through 35, Philip the evangelist, in the course of his life, was there in Samaria, and he was preaching and teaching and converting and baptizing, and all kinds of good things were happening. And all of a sudden, and this was miraculous, this is not going to happen to you in a miraculous way, but all of a sudden, there was an opportunity. God said, I'm going to take you down, and I want you to go talk to that guy in that chariot over there. And he had a great opportunity to share the gospel by talking to that Ethiopian nobleman. When you start praying for people, you start praying about their souls, you need to open your eyes because God will answer those prayers. He just does. It's a partnership. And we will have some neat and really profound opportunities to help people to know Jesus better if we'll just start praying for them. So the challenge for July laid before you, God wants people to be saved. Not some people, not a few people, all people to be saved. And if that's true, then you and I, we ought to want that same thing. And it ought to be the subject of our prayer lives. I'm just gonna add this before I give the invitation. Jordan Moore has built, uh, it's not just him, but mainly him. He has built an evangelism resource center right out there in the foyer, just right outside the glass doors to your right. Check that out. There are some already really neat resources. We're going to be rotating a lot of materials and supplies and things through. There are some stickers that say Katie Church of Christ on them. You can put those on your car if you want to. You can put them on your, on your laptop at work, whatever you want to do, whatever you think might, might be helpful. But the idea is... They're just maybe non-intrusive, non-invasive ways to think about souls and maybe to have a conversation with somebody. So spend time looking at that when you get a chance. And not only that, be prayerful. We want people to know the gospel. We want people to know God. If we didn't do anything else as a congregation but this, we would be fulfilling the Great Commission, wouldn't we? how we need to think about the opportunities that God is setting before us and to take advantage of those. That's your July challenge. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. You've heard what I've said this morning. God wants all men to be saved and Jesus is the way to God. And, and the fact that when we repent and we're baptized, this is how we become Christians. And maybe you're kind of curious about that. You don't, you don't really understand everything that I've been saying. We would love the opportunity to talk to you. Maybe you've been studying the gospel and you know exactly what God wants of you and you're ready to make the commitment. You're ready to make the decision this morning. The water is ready and heaven's invitation is yours. If you have a public need, won't you make your way down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing?